I'm Joy Morris, inviting you to listen to True Stories of the Wild West, hosted by C.R. King, a production of R.K. Enterprises. This is the beginning of Part 2. In May of 1876, Fisher and another man, Frank Porter, had killed six vaqueros. Who were who? These six men were driving their herd of cattle near Eagle Pass. This killing caused the rangers to arrest Fisher at his ranch. The rangers found his ranch, surrounded the house. They noted there was between forty to fifty of his men there. Fisher's men at the ranch, mostly relaxing, playing cards, some napping. The rangers at a given time, made a mad rush to the house. Fisher's men startled, ran in to fetch their guns, but it was too late. They commanded that King and his men surrender or die. So they surrendered. King wanted to resist, but he knew better. King was in total control of the region. Yet the Texas Rangers were bringing down his neck. He knew that his, that if he continued the same way, it would only be a matter of time before he paid for his crimes. Now, whether it was McNally or the new man, Lieutenant John Armstrong, his assessor to who, who would capture him, they knew they would. Getting older and wanting a quieter life, Fisher started to calm down his outlawing efforts. He married a beautiful gal, her name, Sarah Vivian. They had four daughters. Now, with all of the murder trials over with, Fisher accepted a job in 1881 as deputy sheriff of Uvalde County, Texas. King Fisher had gone legit now. This shows, again, how fine of a line there was in the Old West between the criminal and the outlaw, because they would bounce back and forth, a lot of them. Apparently, Fisher was doing a good job, and by all accounts, his men, his, his efforts were well received. By 1883, he was the acting sheriff. During this time, two men robbed a stagecoach. Fisher chased them down. He tracked them, actually. They were two brothers, Tim and Tom Hanahan. He tracked them to their home. It was a small ranch. The brothers resisted. The confrontation ended with the death of Tom. Tim surrendered. In March of 84, King Fisher took some personal time off, and he headed for Austin, having announced his candidacy to run for sheriff. While in Austin, he ran into his old buddy, Ben Thompson. Now, Thompson was, in, was known from Kansas to Texas as a top gunslinger, and he was highly feared. Like Fisher, Thompson had crossed over the line, and now he was the city marshal of Austin, having been so since 1882. Fisher and Thompson partied, they drank, they celebrated their friendship, and the next thing you know, the two men were on the train bound for San Antonio. 
Apparently, Ben wanted to go there to convince his old pal, and he convinced his old pal, Kingfisher, to join him. Now, two years prior, Thompson had been in San Antonio and Jack Harris's vaudeville theater and saloon establishment. It was located on the corner of Soledad and West Commerce on the main plaza. Now, with a partner, he had opened the store in 72. Harris was an influential polit political leader of the city. His theater and saloon was the most popular in the town. Ben Thompson was at the 101 Club, which was the gambling section, and he was losing big time. As usual, he had been drinking, and the combination, that combination of drinking and gambling almost always spelled disaster. Thompson had reached his limits, and he began voicing loud threats over his losses. Even when Thompson returned to Austin, the threats from him from afar continued. Fed up, Jack Harrison made it very clear that Ben Thompson, who had not paid his gambling debts, was no longer welcomed at his establishment. Two years later, on July 11th, 1882, Thompson returned to San Antonio. Harris had been forewarned of Thompson's arrival and expected trouble from Ben. Of course he did. For Ben had made it clear that his intent was to get even with Jack Harris. Armed with a shotgun, Harris waited outside the dark interior of the swinging door saloons. Thompson arrived pausing on the sidewalk to allow two ladies to pass by. That pause the gentlemanly act saved his life as he saw Harris through the slats of the door. Harris never got a chance to, wait to raise his weapon. Sensing an ambush, Thompson pulled his Colt 45 and shot. He hit his mark. Harris was shot in the chest. He dropped and he lived for only a few more hours. The local paper, the San Antonio Light, wrote the next day, about Jack Harris. His liberty, shrewdness, and tact made him the real leader of the Democratic Party. There is no city officer, and hardly a county officer, that does not owe his office to this man's influence. From the mayor down to the court bailiffs. End of quote. However, not all, not all of San Antonio thought well of this man, Jack Harris. The two town newspapers had opposing views, and they battled it out. Ben Thompson was acquitted of murder by a grand jury. A year after the shooting, Jack Harris' business partner, Joe Foster, had a new business partner, Bill Sims. Now, Sims knew Thompson from the old days, when Sims just started as a professional gambler and was financially backed by Ben. Thompson and Sims seemed to have a friendly relationship. Now, King Fisher and Ben Thompson found themselves Ben King Fisher and Ben Thompson found themselves going into the Vaudeville Variety Theater, as it was now called. 
Thompson wanted to make amends with Joe Foster. Having entered the saloon, Fisher and Thompson sat at a table with Sims, and they had a round of drinks. Foster was upstairs at his table, and since Tim and since Thompson insisted on meeting Foster, Sims took him upstairs. They entered the theater box to greet Foster, and they sat at his table. Foster refused to speak. Sims and his saloon bouncer, Jacob Coy, as well as a current police officer, stood near Foster. Thompson offered to shake hands and to buy a round of drinks. Foster refused. King Fisher sensed a problem since both Sims and Coy suddenly stepped back away from the table. Fisher jumped up to his feet, as did Thompson, but it was too late. A barrage of gunfire from the adjoining box opened up. The noise was deafening. The bullets repeated, repeatedly hit their marks. Both Ben and King fell to the floor. As Ben laid on his side dying, Coy or Sim, no one knowing which one for sure, ran up, placed his gun behind Ben's ear, pulled the trigger. Ben Thompson was dead. So was King Fisher. King, who had gotten one shot off, hitting Coy in the leg, was hit 13 times. Two shots to the head, 10 to the body. The two most feared men in all of Texas lied dead. Torn apart in a hail of bullets. During the heat of the, uh, of the ambush, Ron Foster pulled his pistol and accidentally shot himself in the leg. He would die soon thereafter from the loss of blood. Coy, who believed, who many believed, put the final bullet into Thompson, was wounded in the process. He walked with a limp from that day forward. Partially crippled, his health never completely recovered. As with Wild Bill Hickok, King Fisher, and Ben Thompson were so well known and feared that no one, no one wanted to approach them head on. Fisher's reputation brought him to his end at the age of 30. While he had nothing to do with the Thompson-Harris-Foster feud, his reputation was such that the conspirators felt compelled to bring him down. He was simply the wrong man at the wrong time at the wrong place. I guess in a sense, you can call that karma. Okay, everybody, this is the end. Part two, King Fisher. I hope you enjoyed it. Be safe. See you next week with a new adventure. True, always true, always well searched. No legend here. Take care. Stay tuned for next week's tale.